What's going on? You're listening to Pick 6. Nolan Kangas and David Crosby, that's it today. The dynamic duo, the terrific twosome, whatever you want to call us with those self-given nicknames. Yeah, no Jeff, no Bradshaw, but that's okay. We're still going to go on with a pretty hefty show. Lots to get to. Definitely some coaching changes, which was the big news in the NFL. Studs, duds, sleepers, winners, losers. We're going to even give a Power 5 ranking of our top five teams right now. But let's get it started. News broke earlier this week. Ron Rivera, former head coach of the Carolina Panthers, was fired. And you look at the record, 76-63-1, three winning seasons in nine years, four playoff appearances. Obviously, he went to the Super Bowl after leading that team to 15-1, and Cam Newton's MVP year. I, I just, I was really shocked when this move was made. Yeah, same for me, man. I, I think this is a big mistake from Carolina. And if you kind of step back from this season a little bit and you look at Rivera's entire coaching tenure in Carolina, I think he has gotten better as a coach as time went on. Obviously, the Riverboat Ron moniker seemed to stick mm-hmm. a little bit when he, you know, kind of changed going forward on fourth down and getting more aggressive. But I think he's shown the ability to be able to coach regardless of the type of talent that you put in front of him. He's done an admirable job after he lost Cam Newton at the start of this season. I mean, I'm probably the biggest non-believer of Carolina out there, and I think he got more out of Kyle Allen than anybody could have possibly expected. And sure, they have McCaffrey, but they don't have a great receiving core in my mind. They're good, they're average, but they're, they're nothing spectacular. And Carolina has been average to above average on defense every single year of Rivera's career there. I think he's a really good coach. This this is what's puzzling to me. So Panthers owner David Tepper, his explanation was he let Rivera go now so he wasn't put at a competitive disadvantage searching for a new coach. What I want to know is, who are these hot candidates out there that I'm missing that he needs to get a head start on recruiting? Because college season is still in full swing. There's no way any of those big name guys are entertaining offers to coach a big team. They are focused on their team and their season right now. So what was the big rush? I, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't understand why not just wait till the end of the year. And we're going to talk a lot about this of where Ron Rivera might go and you know what this is going to have going on for Carolina. But you're right. Uh, you know, there was a time, and it seems like you know ancient history ago when I thought Carolina was going to make a playoff run, and I really liked the way this team was moving. Kyle Allen has stunk it up the last couple of weeks. I believe they've lost four straight. Obviously, losing to the Redskins hurts a ton. And, you know, allowing 200 yards plus on the ground to the, the tandem of Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson, it, it just wasn't a good look. But you're right. With the amount of talent that this team has had, it, it hasn't been anything overly significant. You look at that, you know, the dominant team, the uh, 2015 team. What? You had Cam, who was playing out of his mind. Jonathan Stewart was your running back. Your best receiver was Calvin Benjamin, and he was out for the whole year with a torn ACL. Defense, yeah, they've had some good defensive pieces along the way, even drafting-wise. So that's why I'm actually really excited for Ron Rivera moving forward. We know he's going to get a new position because I think he's going to be the hot commodity. He's going to be the first head coach pretty much off the board. When you know it comes around, when everyone comes on Black Monday and who's out, he's going to be the first guy they call. You look at some of these picks, so let's go back. Brian Burns had a terrific rookie year this year. He's going to be an absolute stud. 2018, DJ Moore. We just talked about how he's having such a great year. He's going to have over 1,000 yards receiving. In the second round, they took Dante Jackson, who's been a good corner. 2017, 
Christian McCaffrey, one of the best running backs in football. Curtis Samuel, another weapon uh, out at wide. You look at 2016, second-round pick, James Bradbury. He's been a really good corner for them. 15, Shaq Thompson, second round. Devin Funches, he's had a productive year. You see flashes here and there. You look at 2014, that was Kelvin Benjamin. Trey Turner's been a terrific lineman for them. Trey Boston's been a great, like, all the way down the board. I don't want to be repetitive. He's been great at drafting this team. He just seems like a well-respected coach. And you could see, which was really bizarre on all the social media, he gets fired. Carolina Panthers social media was, thank you, thank you, thank you. Every every player, you know, he made me a better man, a better player, a better per. Like, just everything was so shocking about it. I don't know where Carolina goes. No, and listen, he don't forget he had a couple Walter Payton Man of the Year You're Award right. uh, recipients on his team, which shouldn't go overlooked either. And the way I look at a head coach, aside from the type of talent he's able to get it through the draft, which some coaches have that ability to be able to work with the front office and say, listen, this is what our team needs. Here's what I'm looking for. You know, this is the type of of player I want in this position. And they work together. Sometimes it doesn't work like that. A coach just is given given talent and then he, you know, it's his job to make the best of it. I think Rivera puts his players in a position to succeed more often than not. And like you said, hearing the way that players talk about him, these guys would run through a wall for oh, Ron yeah. Rivera. He has the respect, and I think that's an undervalued thing right now because I feel like a lot of coaches, they get tuned out sometimes. If their scheme's not working right away, imagine how hard it would be to be in Cincinnati right, right now. I know they just got their first win of the season, but just imagine how difficult that would be to buy into that system when week after week you're losing. And, and when you look at this season alone— Ron Rivera basically had to change the entire offense, and he didn't have an offseason to prepare for it. Cam Newton went down in the season. That's He's not as mobile as he used to be, but let's be honest, their offense is completely different with Kyle Allen at the reins. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a really hot head coaching candidate too, and this is where, I mean, everybody's been saying Dallas, and I would love it if Dallas could get this guy. And there's a couple reasons for it. So Jerry Jones, he ultimately hired Wade Phillips uh, back in 2007 before he moved on to Jason Garrett. But he did interview Ron Rivera at that time. So he was a finalist for uh, that head coaching position in Dallas. If Rivera comes on, I believe it would allow Dallas to keep Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator and the play caller. And as you know, you I mean, I talked about it earlier. I have a great respect for the way Rivera coaches up mm. his defense. And I think that would be a really, really good fit between these two. Obviously, you've heard me a couple times this year say I, I would pr- prefer if the Cowboys make a big run at Lincoln Riley, which... I, I still would prefer it if they were somehow able to coax Riley there, but I think if you bring Riley on board, you're almost guaranteed to lose Kellen Moore because there's no way he's going to take a demotion no. to quarterbacks coach, and, and Riley would want complete control over all the plays. So this is a great fit if that is what Jerry Jones ultimately wants to do. I like the Dallas pick, and so let's just talk quickly about Caroline before I say where I think Ron Rivera will end up going. Carolina, so they bring in, it's the secondary, uh, he was you know coaching the secondary of the defense, which is Perry Fuel. So he's going to now be the interim head coach. you got to decide, where does Cam Newton go on? You're going to have to pay Christian McCaffrey. DJ Moore's having a great year. It, like this defense is, you know, they're not getting much younger. Yeah, they've got some spots in the secondary, but Luke Keekley, we know he's been such a dominant player. At times creeping up here and there. 
So this is a huge move for this franchise. One, what's the contract going to be for your best player? Two, you're probably the most iconic player in your franchise history. you got to decide, are we going to stick with this guy? And he, I believe Cam's getting foot surgery now as well. So he wants to be 100% healthy come March. Are you going to move on from him? I don't think Kyle Allen's the guy. Is it the guy you drafted in the third round, Will Greer? This is going to be huge moving on for Carolina. And, and right now, I, l- I looked at the odds. We know Ron Rivera is obviously not going to be back with them. Who's going to be the next head coach? Betting odds have uh, Robert Salah, the um, defensive coordinator in San Fran. That would be a great pick. How is Jason Garrett, too? That makes no sense to me because he couldn't call plays. That's the reason they gave Kellen Moore this promotion to call the plays for Jason Garrett. So you can erase bringing him on as an offensive-minded coach who can write up a great playbook for you and call the right plays at the right time in the game. Scratch that. Number two, motivating his players to play the best on game day. I can't think of another team in the NFL that has flopped in big games more than the Dallas Cowboys have. So you can scratch the motivation factor right off the board, too. What does he bring to a prospective team other than, you know, never publicly disagreeing with management or ownership above him? He's a yes man. So... I don't get it. No, I I don't think Jason Garrett deserves another shot in the NFL as a head coach. Dan Quinn's number three. We've talked about all year how disappointing it's been in Atlanta. There's a couple people on this list that I would think would be a really good fit. Obviously, Salah at the top. Jim Harbaugh, leaving Michigan, coming back to the NFL. I think that would be pretty nice. I don't think Urban Meyer's going to leave You know his job at uh, Fox doing college football to go to the NFL. Greg Roman, who's been doing a phenomenal job in Baltimore. That would be a nice one as well. Obviously, you're running read option a lot with Lamar Jackson. If you can get Cam Newton back to a full form, hello. That would be fun, especially with McCaffrey. There's a lot of options here. One that kind of stuck out to me a little bit, it's not even on this list, is Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. He mentioned, oh, I don't want to coach college football anymore if they start getting paid. All right, it's coming that way. Eventually, it's going to sneak up on you, Dabo. He lives in the Carolina area. I like that. But for me, Ron Rivera, Dallas would be fun. Nice pick. I like Cleveland, and I think for that, Freddie Kitchens is gone. This has been an absolute nightmare, probably the most disappointing season. I, I, I just said Atlanta was disappointing. Cleveland has been a nightmare. Ron Rivera has been able to deal with kind of not hot-headed players. That's the wrong term to use. Uh, let's just say loud players. Look at a guy like Josh Norman, termed him into you know, who was one of the best corners in football that year. Let's look at guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, who like speaking out. You know, they're they're hot in the NFL, right? And they've had down years. You talk about that. A superstar quarterback, Cam Newton, he dealt with that. And now he's going to have Baker Mayfield if he goes to Cleveland. I think he could motivate this team to another level. You talk about defense, too. He had a guy in Luke Keekley. He'd have a guy like Miles Garrett, who, you know, bearing suspension, we've already talked about this, should be back 2020 week one. I think Cleveland makes the most sense. I think I would give him all the money. Like, he's taking a team to the Super Bowl. Your team is desperate for success. Why not? And uh, this might sound crazy on its face, but I think if I was Ron Rivera and I had the choice between Dallas and Cleveland, I might go to Cleveland because the expectations there are so much lower. I think Dallas does have a slight edge in talent, but don't be mistaken. Cleveland has some really, really great players. And like you mentioned, 
they need a coach that gains the respect that they're going to buy in, that they don't take these stupid penalties. Penalties have been killing Cleveland all oh, yeah. year. And I'm not even talking about the Miles Garrett suspension. I'm talking about all season long. Penalties have been killing this team. That would be a great fit. I want to go back and and talk a minute, <clears throat> excuse me, about Perry Fuel. So, like I originally said, David Tepper, a pretty recent owner of the Carolina Panthers, he obviously wants a chance to put his stamp on this team. Oh, yeah. And I understand that. If, if you're going to own a billion-dollar asset, you want to have your fingerprints on it, and you want to have control. I get it. I hope when David Tepper said that he wants to get a head start and not have a c- competitive disadvantage, I hope he meant he wants to see Perry Fuel as the head coach of this team for the last four games of the season to see what he can do. Because I think Fuel should be considered for this head coaching position long-term, and here's why. On his own, he has 21 years of experience in the NFL. His results have been amazing. I knew I had heard this guy's name a couple of times back to when he was with the New York New York Giants as a defensive coordinator. Well, recently he was a secondary coach for the Jaguars for the past two seasons. They led the NFL in the least yards allowed and held opposing quarterbacks to the lowest passer rating. I mean, you can't really argue with those results. Prior to that, He was in Washington. He made that unit respectable. I've said multiple times this year, Washington is one of the worst organizations in the entire league at evaluating and and getting talent onto their team. Prior to that stint, he had was with the New York Giants for five seasons as their defensive coordinator. That included the 21-17 to victory over the Patriots in Super Bowl 46. This guy's a stud. He knows what it means to win. He's been around the NFL. He's, he's paid his dues up to this point, and I think he really deserves a chance at this head coaching position. And I don't want to turn this into, you know, Perry Fuel is a minority head coaching candidate. That's why he deserves a longer look. But if you look around the NFL, there is such a huge difference between the number of minority players in the league and the number of people who are in a position of power on these teams. And I think it would be a disgrace if if this is just a four-game sort of bridge to the next hiring in Carolina, I really hope he gets a chance this year to show what he can do. And I think that it talks a little bit. It is very tough to fire a coach midway through the year. Obviously, this is a little bit later than midway. And to start fresh, brand new coaching staff comes in. So you're right. I think that would make sense. He already has familiarity with the team. Seems like the players obviously already like him. The secondary, I mentioned, you know, clearly he's good at evaluating talent. And the secondary has been okay at times this year. We'll see what happens, but that would be a good fit. You know, everything you mentioned, you, like that was unbelievable. Everything he's accomplished in his 21 years in the NFL. Let's move on, though, to let's we can talk a little bit later about Rivera, someone who's really been struggling this year. He dealt with injuries. They're already moving on from him. That's Nick Foles. It's pretty unbelievable. He got absolutely paid this summer. If you're able to bring up the numbers here in a second, I believe he's getting close to 80 mil over what is it, 80 over four? It's pretty hefty contract. Obviously, former Super Bowl MVP. Whenever he, you know, had to fill in for Carson Wentz due to injury, he did perform quite well this year. He's got Jacksonville when he's played. 0-4, three passing touchdowns, two interceptions, two fumbles, and he's taken eight sacks in those four games. And the Jags are going back to Gardner Minshew, who has been. You know, Minshew Mania, he was the name of the NFL for a couple of weeks, just everything he was doing for the Jags and helping them win some games. 
Yeah, my rookie of the year pick gets a chance yeah. to, uh, at a do-over here after his uh, his benching after that London game. And that Foles contract was $88 million over four years. So you're wow. looking at $22 million <sighs> a year. And the rest of the NFL should be so thankful that this guy is going to hit the trade market. And I don't know what Foles is going to be the rest of his career, but I can tell you that this guy is a gamer. And mm. like like watching him, I was scared of seeing him under center in Philadelphia, in Dallas. I was more scared of seeing him under center than Carson Wentz. And what? Listen, people love Carson Wentz. Don't. I, I know. You're one of those guys who thinks say, Foles is better than Wentz, say he's better. I'm not, uh, okay. not going to tie this in. If it was one game, yes. I understand every other or- NFL organization would laugh at that. They would take Carson Wentz for a full season. I get it. But Nick Foles is a, an above-average quarterback. There's no doubt in my sure. mind about that. And if Jacksonville is going to ride with Gardner Minshew or draft another guy to bring up after him, some team is going to get extremely lucky to get Nick Foles because $22 million for a starting quarterback is not a lot. I, I think he needs to be given a bit of a break this season, uh, no pun intended, but after breaking his collarbone and mm-hmm. coming back, I think he came back cr- pretty quickly. It's a new team he's unfamiliar with. I can understand why he doesn't look very good. I think he's going to be a real steal for some other team. So you already think he's gone. You think they've moved on from Absolutely. him? Absolutely. And it's kind of bizarre, too, is that you give this guy so much money. To me, this reminds me a little bit of Seattle when they paid a bunch of money for Matt Flynn. And, oh, who's this guy in training camp who ends up being an absolute superstar, one of the best quarterbacks in, you know... Matt Flynn never won a Super Bowl. No, I know, I know. But Matt Flynn had a couple good games here and there. But that's what it reminds me of is clearly they think this guy can't do it for our team. And our players maybe seem more motivated. Our fans seem more interested with Garner Minshew at the helm. I think, uh, listen, I think that this has to do more with who gives us a better chance to win right now. I don't necessarily think that Gardner Minshew is going to be a better quarterback than Nick Foles over a 16-game schedule next season. I think this has to do with Nick Foles is not comfortable in this offense right now. Maybe he's not 100% coming back from that injury, and they think Gardner Minshew is the better guy right now to lead this team. So you think it's more, okay, Foles is 80% healthy. Let's get him you know, back to that. We know we're not making the playoffs. Yes, Let's exactly. Let- Let's see what we have in this young guy, see if we can build around him, or if we need to address this in the draft. I think they know what they have in Nick Foles. I think that just makes no sense to do that, to, to see what we have in Minshew. You've seen for you know a portion, then he plays a good defense or who's been an okay defense in Houston. He looks absolutely terrible, and you paid so much money for Foles. You have your running back playing his best year of his career. You have a you know stud receiver in DJ Chark who's having a career year. Your defense is still okay. right? There's pieces. I just saw Miles Jack is on the IR now, so he's done for the year. Where is his team going? Because Jalen Ramsey just wanted out. You got a couple of draft picks for him. It doesn't make sense to me this has been a team that's been in the crap hole for how goddamn long and Blake Bortles comes along has an okay year the defense is unbelievable AFC championship game should have won that game end up falling to New England who has a comeback in the fourth quarter oh you think Nick Foles is going to put you over the top and now you bench him and now you're going to decide eventually come next year oh let's let, let's move on let's trade him away and get more draft picks or get more uh, listen I, I know oh. this is insane I believe in this ownership. I believe in Shad Khan. And honestly, 
I think looking at each one of these moves individually over the last few years, I think they made smart decisions the whole way. When they could not upgrade their offense because Blake Bortles was holding or holding that offense back, they went the other way. They had one of the best defensive yeah. units in the entire NFL for two seasons. And don't forget, they almost beat the Patriots in the playoffs with Blake Bortles at quarterback. Okay, this year, Jalen Ramsey wants out. He wants to go. They got good value for Jalen Ramsey. Yep. They didn't prolong it. They didn't do the whole Washington Redskins disaster that they had with Williams this, this season. They got really good value for him. I think now Nick Foles fit their timeline at the start of the season as a win-now team. I think they have taken a good look at their current roster and they understand they're no longer in a win-now mode and they're building for the future. And if that's the case, Nick Foles no longer fits your timeline. And now there's a report that Doug Marone is likely gone as and I, Jaguars coach. And I'm okay season. with that too. Doug Marone hasn't blown me away no. by any means in any facet of the game. And, you know, this is a, a good opportunity. Too few times in the NFL are teams realistic with themselves about what they have in place. I think it is somehow a good sign that both Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew struggled in this offense because Nick Foles has been pretty reliable as to the type of player he is in different systems with different coordinators over the past three or four seasons. He's been the same guy. So if Nick Foles can't, um, you know, play very well in this system with the offensive talent that they have, maybe that makes you feel better that Gardner Minshew does have some bad games against good defenses. Maybe that means you need to change your coaching. You need to change your offensive strategy. You don't have the right personnel in order to succeed in the NFL, but maybe Gardner Minshew can be the guy that leads you into that next stage. Well, clearly they're going to go on what's not another rebuild, but blow it up a bit. If you're saying they're going to go Gardner Minshew, you have a, you know, an offense where your offensive line isn't great. You're going to have Leonard Fournette, Marquise Lee, DJ Chark, uh, the other receiver, D.D. Westbrook, uh, who sometimes plays a little bit in the slot. That's not bad at all for an offense. And your defense still has the pieces. Whoever that coach is going to be, you're going to have to figure out is it Minshew or is it Foles? Because whatever it is, if it's moving on for the future, that looks okay depending on what Minshew you're going to get. When you consider what they got for Jalen Ramsey, and I think teams will jump at the chance to deal for Nick Foles if he hits the trade market this offseason. Like I said, $22 million for a starting quarterback is not that much. And despite the fact that we have had better quarterback play across the league this year, there are still five or six teams no doubt about it, that will be interested in Nick Foles because they're not going to find their answer in the upcoming NFL draft. All the NFL-ready quarterbacks are going to be gone within the first 10 picks. I think there's probably three of them, maybe two, you could argue, and some teams are going to be left out still looking for a quarterback. I think Nick Foles is a good answer. Depending on what Jacksonville gets back, I actually like where they're going. Obviously, it depends on who they hire as head coach as well. Sure. But I, I think I like the trajectory of this team because, like you said, they do have talent. You're gonna, but you're going to have to pay that talent, too. And the one guy who actually demands one, you trade away. So Fournette, he's due to get paid next offseason. I mean, you know, 2020, he plays with four mil on the contract, and then he's a free agent. What do you do there? If he says, oh, I want to be paid like a top 10 running back, he is another good year. Oh, well, now we're kind of at this position where we're hit or miss. We, we look mediocre. Do you trade him away and get picks again? 
Well, this is the beauty. It's hard to trade a running back in, in today's climate. It really, yeah. it really is to get even some value back for a running back who's going to ask for a large price. This is what I wanted Dallas to do with Ezekiel Elliott. I know why they couldn't do it. It's really high profile. He would hold out. He wouldn't accept it. But this is the type of team I think that could get away with using either the transition tag or the franchise tag on Leonard Fournette. Because if you're going to have to pay him top 10 money to lock him down long term, who cares? if you have to pay him top five money one year at a time. So I think that might be a situation where they can just tag him and decide when they want to cut bait. Yeah, and then see what you have. Not bad. If I can just touch on this quick, clearly, if Nick Foles is struggling in this offense, it kind of shows that Frank Reich is one of the best coaches in football. Of the way Philadelphia has gone the past two years, we know they struggled a little bit last year, still made the playoffs, still picked up a win in Chicago. This year, they've looked absolutely terrible. We're going to mention that in a little bit. And Frank Reich has made Jacoby Brissett look like a starting quarterback. Frank Reich is that guy. And and it's funny, I was thinking about this earlier today. How do you properly value a management or coaching asset? Because, and I, I thought of this because of Masai Ujiri here in Toronto. He's the president of the Toronto Raptors. Obviously, reigning NBA champions. I'm not sure I would trade Masai Ujiri for a star player in the league right now. He mm. he makes that much of a difference on your franchise. And I think somebody like Frank Reich, Indianapolis lucked out. Oh, that, yeah. Like, he basically fell into their lap. I think he is a huge difference maker. And it's hard to even quantify how much effect a guy like that can have on your team. You're saying, obviously, you know, here in Toronto, you wouldn't trade Masai Ujiri for anyone. I wonder, I don't think the Colts would, but I wonder if teams around would ask and say, we want Frank Reich, what's it going to take? Wouldn't that be amazing if we had more management? Because that, that was the Gruden trades? trade, right? Yes. The Gruden you know, from uh, Oakland to Tampa. I wonder what would actually, what, what, let's say Dallas. Dallas, you want a head coach. You would love to have Frank Reich. Especially with his familiarity in that division. I, I, listen, I couldn't agree more. It's hard to even think what you would need. What to would give. you give up? What What do you think right right now? And you know, let's just say, what do you think's fair too? You can't I'm just get say, booed right out of this. <laughs> but if the Cowboys end up winning their division, and let's say, let's say their pick is in the bottom ten, so somewhere between twenty two and thirty two sure. of the NFL draft, I would trade a first round pick for Frank Reich. I don't think that's crazy at all. But I think some people might look at that and say, how can you take a cost-controlled asset, one of the 32 best players coming through into the league, that you can get on an entry-level contract and trade that for a coach? But I really think a great coach or somebody in a general manager position can make so much more of a difference than any one player. You're talking about first-round pick. How many of those first-round picks hit? I thought you were going to say Ezekiel Elliott. I probably wouldn't have even thought that was too crazy. If I'm Dallas, give up one of those linemen where you're stacked all over the place. No, Obviously, give they've up been anything injured. Anything but the linemen. Anything you're saying anything but the linemen. Yeah, uh, anything but the linemen. Anything but the linemen. R- right now, you give up Sean Lee in a second. Would you do 100%. it? 100%. I wouldn't even flinch. What, 100%. Absolutely. I think Dallas, who's been dying for a head coach. When I offered you that first round pick, you could have told me to throw Sean Lee in, and I would have done it. I, I think so, too. I, you know, obviously Minnesota. I love Mike Zimmer, but I, you know, I think they're fine with that. Frank Reich, right now, 
if he's not one of your top three coaches in football, you don't know what you're talking about. He's been unbelievable, and you're seeing that with the way Nick Foles has played in Jacksonville. I wish we had Bradshaw in here, but just as like a think tank exercise, what would it take to get Bill Belichick out of New England if he committed to five years of coaching? All your first round picks for those five years? Like, I know he wouldn't go to a team no, that didn't uh, have those, but like think. theoretically, so, so what would it cost? You're to in get New him? England right now? It's going to take a quarterback because clearly Tom isn't playing. You know, was, um, I'm trying to think which would be a really good one where someone has a lot of depth and can do it. it it's I, hard I can't. To I can't even think, think of something that would be fair that New England yeah. would think. Yeah, we might break even. Like if Bill Belichick was like, "Screw this! I'm either going somewhere else or I'm retiring," and they still had you know four or five years left on his contract. Like, what would it you know really what it'd be? take? Number one overall pick. That, that I, I think that's it. no matter what. Like, let's say we know the, the Giants. Let's say they get the first. I, I don't know if they will because Cincinnati. I can't. I still can't see Cincinnati winning another game. Pat Shermer's been terrible. Loved what he did in Minnesota with you know Case Keenum and what he got out of that. He, he's not an NFL coach. We know that. If can you imagine he goes to where his career started? You know, as a DC, won a couple rings, head coach of the New York Giants. He's got a young quarterback. A young running back, some decent receiving talent, especially at tight end, Evan Engram, and you get the number one overall pick of your New England. You go Joe Burrow. I, I love it. I, I wish I wish things like this would happen. Can't we all just play fantasy uh, yeah. football oh, every my year? God. And just restart all our teams and trade management. Man, I don't know. I it's it's um, it's incredible to think about because we talk so much every week. We talk about here on here about the players and what mm. they do on game day, but from Monday. To Saturday, so much happens in that time. Coaches preparing, obviously dealing out to their assistant coaches. This is what I want you to work on this week. Game planning, scheming. It's amazing to think of we probably touch 1% of what's really important in the league every week. So I just want to get, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, shout out to uh, Dave Demeshek, who has the show NFL, which is sort of what we're talking about. And if he looks, goes through situations, uh, uh, what if, you know, Angela came out of his junior year, junior year, went number one to Carolina and Cam Newton went number two to Denver. It's stuff like that. You got to give it a watch because it's unbelievable. That was basically what we were just doing with Belichick going back to New York. Uh, Let's move on though. We talked about New England. They're actually, we're going to go power rankings. They're not in my top five, which may be a shocker. I'll start you off with my number five team in the NFL right now. I'm going to go New Orleans. I just think, uh, great team. you got a, the best receiver in football. You have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You've got a really great running back. Pretty go to O-line. They've been banged up a little bit this year. I believe Taron Armstead's been out for a little bit now. Great coach in Sean Payton. Taysom Hill, get the hell out of here. I hate all that stuff. That was so stupid. We, I, I vented about that last week. I don't know if you gave that a listen. But... Their defense, there's bright spots here and there. Uh, Allen's been a good DC. It's just, it, there's some games where you just see disappointment. The Carolina, um, Carolina hung with them quite a bit. Atlanta, in two of the last three weeks, they beat them in New Orleans. And then in Atlanta, they let them back in the game. And it, that should have been a blowout. I don't know. That's my team at number five. You agree? Disagree? Where do you? Who's yeah, at five for you? I had the Saints at number four. So we're you know we're pretty much okay. on the same track. I've been a little bit underwhelmed with Drew Brees. I'm, sure. I'm not ready to get nervous about how he looks right now. Teddy, but they, Teddy looked better. Just Te- saying. I I totally agree. And and Drew Brees is a legend. There's no oh, doubt absolutely. about it. He should be starting these games. There isn't any chance in hell that Teddy Bridgewater starts any game if Drew Brees is healthy. 
But you got to be getting a little bit worried at how this offense has looked these past yeah. few weeks. I hope they get on track by the time the playoffs come around. I'm glad you asked me who my number five was because I want to see that vein pop out of your forehead. It's the Green Bay Packers. Uh, listen, they're flying under the radar for you. I, I don't know why you radar. hate this team so much. They win. They win. They win. They lost to the Chargers. Who are? T- Did you see that game against the 49ers? Yes. And you have them at five. Yes, you better. Still there. You, oh my! You better have San Fran in your top three or two. Then, if you have Green Bay, what has impressed you about Green Bay this year? Oh, they go to New York, who's been the worst team in football right now. Has lost eight straight. Oh, Aaron Rodgers plays really well against a terrible defense and a terrible coaching staff. I don't want to cop out here and, and say that thing struggles are going to happen for first year head coaches on a team, but. Watching this team, I really think they're going to go deep in the playoffs. Uh, Maybe it's something intangible. Maybe I like Aaron Rodgers more than the love he deserved. I know you showed me that tweet the other day with basically Aaron Rodgers has been an average quarterback statistically for the last two seasons. Last three. When compared, my my apologies, last three seasons when compared to the other quarterbacks in the league. I like Aaron Jones. I like Devontae Adams. I think this pass defense is better than you give them credit for. I know the run defense is absolutely terrible, and I still think in important moments and games, Aaron Rodgers can be that guy. I'm not saying he's an average quarterback. I'm saying at times it's the what we've seen from him in the past gets a little... Well, he's Aaron Rodgers. You can. It's like I get it. Other quarterbacks can do that, though. And for me, well, hold on, hold on. Before we move on, then yeah. let let me reframe this because I saw another really interesting tweet that kind of gave me that same amount of pause that you did. Mitchell Trubisky, his quarterback it's rating and his percentage as- is the same as Tom Brady this season. So, how much are we really gonna put into numbers versus yeah. what we watch with our fair. own eyes? And, and, and that's a fair point as well. And Trubisky's been absolutely terrible. And, and Tom this year is his worst statistical year, I believe, since his rookie year. A little bit different though when you're comparing a guy who we know is a bust and a guy who's what 42 years old and comparing this guy who's regarded as the best quarterback of all time just not more numbers wise and just vision wise when you watch Rodgers play I'm just saying we're comparing Aaron Rodgers to someone that doesn't exist we're comparing them to the quotes league average quarterback Mm. we're averaging what everybody else in the league does we'll take into account that obviously there are some guys at the top that are going to skew that number and the the guys at the bottom that maybe would have played 16 really bad games have already been replaced okay. by other players. So I I think it's a little bit of an unfair comparison, but it, it did give me some pause. Like you just it's a bit staggering to look at those numbers and consider that he, you know, he hasn't been as good as people have said he is for the last few years. I, I just want to check out Aaron Rodgers splits this year because I, like if I can go teams above 500 and see what he's been this year. Because we just think about the San Fran game, which was terrible. And you think, oh, he beats up on Oakland and he beats up on the Giants. Uh, to me, Green Bay is a good team. They will make the postseason. A lot of people, myself included, I know he has hot takes, Fox Sports calling Coward as well. He thinks Minnesota will pump this team when Green Bay travels to Minnesota. I believe that's week 16. Mi- Minnesota... Has looked good, and that leads me to give my number four team, which is the Vikings. And I think you come away from that Seattle game in Seattle, tough environment. Dalvin Cook and like his game ends at after the third quarter. Thielen's not in. Lineman gets injured, and Riley Reef. This team was depleted. 
you were and you were up at halftime, okay, and, and then you go down 17 points. And how much? I hate to go cliche. How much momentum did Seattle have? All of it. They took it all away. Like Minnesota looked defeated. It was bad. Xavier Rhodes looked terrible, and they start mounting this comeback. They, they were three minutes away from going down the field and scoring and winning the game. And Kirk Cousins, of course, takes the blame again, even though he played a pretty good game of football with Dalvin Cook barely giving you anything, a couple couple screens. It's funny people say when you play well, you get the credit, and when you lose, you get all the blame as a quarterback. Does Kirk Cousins get any of the credit when they win? I think there's been times, but but still a lot of people. So let's say the Denver comeback victory. It was like he his yards per attempt in that first half was terrible, and it's not like he turned it over. I think he had the one you know forced fumble, which was ugly. You know, and the O line didn't help him at all, and he plays unbelievable in the second half. Oh, what a comeback! Talk about Kirk. There's been games where he light was lighting it up. So I think people are almost getting off of that notion where you know in the beginning of the year I was on it too. I was man, he looks awful. This is terrible. This contract sucks. He's looked great. It's given me faith. I just hate seeing the, well, on Monday Night Football, he's 0-8. Well, on most of those games, he was with the Redskins, who were terrible. And with Minnesota, they've been beaten by good teams. Uh, so in Seattle, which is almost impossible to win in, Russell Wilson, who didn't have his best game either, he, he had some moments here and there. The Vikings secondary was a nightmare. The Vikings run defense was a nightmare, 200 plus yards. Uh, to me, Minnesota, at their best, is a top five team in football. I think we've seen that over the definitely the past couple weeks. To me, they are number four. I think Minnesota. You know, you talk about wild card teams. If you're a wild card team, you you want to play Philadelphia or Dallas. You don't want to face Minnesota or San Fran right now. Or can you imagine if Seattle drops one and ends up being Seattle wild card? These wild card teams are two of the best teams in not only the NFC, in football. It's amazing. And and talking about, you know, having them in your top five, they just missed mine. I, I would have them at about six or seven. And head-to-head against the Packers, I still have to give the edge to the Packers. I know statistically Kirk Cousins has been better than Aaron Rodgers, but when I see two teams that I think are pretty evenly matched where, you know, it would probably be a pick if it was on a neutral field, I always like to go with the quarterback I believe in more, and, and that would be Aaron Rodgers. But... My number three team, the San Francisco 49ers, and they continue to surprise. I wouldn't hate on anyone if they had them two or even one. That's how good this defense has looked. Their running game can't be stopped. I still don't fully believe in Jimmy Garoppolo, but week after week after week, they keep proving they're a legitimate team, and it's time for me to give in. They're they're one of the three best teams in the NFL. Oh, oh, absolutely. I'm 100% with you. Uh, I actually had San Fran at three as well, so that's you know a good connection there. Jimmy G, I'm not completely there yet either, but you have seen some moments where it looks really bad. I think the one I'm trying to think of, I think they were playing Seattle, and oh, here comes pressure, and he throws it right away. Or it was against um, it was against Carolina. I'm sorry, even though they blew them out that game. Oh, here comes pressure. I see Kittle. Let me throw it out. Picked off, and where he just looks and sees that first target. But there is moments there where he makes the right, right decision. He moves up a little bit in the pocket and makes a good play. This defense is unbelievable. This coaching staff is unbelievable. The weapons I love, even though you haven't seen them at full strength. Debo Samuel's been banged up. Emmanuel Sanders has been banged up. These running backs, uh, uh, even uh, Raheem Mostert was terrific in that game against Baltimore. In Baltimore, that is a tough, tough game. And they played their hearts out. I... Sort of say it, if, if we have a Super Bowl, I'd like to see that rematch. 
Okay, I'd be really for do. that. That that would be a great Super Bowl. And I, I just want to say, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and even going back to Kirk Cousins and how Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have looked, you can really tell the difference of teams that build their offensive system to protect their quarterback from making mistakes versus teams that build their offense around what their quarterbacks do well. So what I mean by that is San Francisco has clearly simplified this offense for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that's the same way that the Vikings has simplified it for Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins. And that's why he's so good off of play action. Because when you fake your handoff and you turn right around, if you're not going to your first option off of that fake handoff, you're in trouble if you can't read progressions after that. Like you said, Jimmy, quick, obviously changed the play at the line, quick throw, it gets intercepted. I think he's bad at decision-making of when to go to his next progression, when something okay. is, is clearly mapped out for him. And I think Kirk Cousins is the same type of quarterback. And and that's not to say they're mm-hmm. not a good quarterback or that they can't win the championship or even be a really great team. Yep. I just think that the type of quarterbacks that can pick up pressure properly, go through progressions and make those decisions like Tom Brady, like Aaron Rodgers, I think they bring you to a whole nother level in the playoffs against a team that has good talent but can also scheme really well against you and take away what you like to do. Uh, ESPN's Dan Orlovsky is really good at explaining a lot of how the play unfolds. He's done that a few times with uh, Minnesota, and I explained that to you when they beat up on Dallas. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and he explains a little bit about San Fran, too, and there's been plays where they have so many players in motion where it could even—I know he's been banged up, too. Use check. Squeaks out. Oh, oh! It's going to be a fullback screen. No, we have Kittle going a crossing route this way, where the whole entire defense has no idea what's happening. Obviously, that's part of Kyle Shanahan how talented he is. But you're right, Garoppolo, and it fits in with two running backs who can catch the ball pretty well. Where you have Coleman or Breida, even Mostert. So, all right, here comes a bit of pressure. Even though that O line's been pretty good, I can dump it off and get three or four yards. Right, so, and I don't even like to count a quarter or excuse me, a running back as another option when you're going through progressions. Quarterback is basically, or excuse me, running back is basically a quarterback's crutch, right? Where if he can't get from his first progression to his second or third read, he's just going to dump it off to to his running back. So, you know, when you see an offense that if they're not throwing it right away, they're dumping it off to the running back, it's normally because that quarterback can't get through his progressions especially when he's under pressure uh so let's move on number two for me sticking in nfc west i've got seattle here and i think seattle has as of right now the second best quarterback in football and if lamar jackson wasn't going crazy he'd be the number one quarterback in football the way russell wilson's been playing your running style and this is with not a great offensive line they've improved a little bit especially with Dwayne brown you talk about having rashad penny and chris carson dominating both going for 100 yards and, and Penny's kind of coming into his own and Booker McFarland you know we, we bash on him once or twice uh every single time but he was explaining a lot that he, and I, obviously he talked to Penny saying he thought it was going to be easy coming in the NFL dominate in a college at San Diego State comes in first round pick no one really thought he was going to go that high and he looked bad and I think he dropped 30 or 30 pounds or so and he looks lean, quick, shifty. He can do a lot of stuff on the field. Adds the Carson, who's a really quick downhill guy who's just going to knock you in the mouth. This running attack's great. You have a quarterback who's playing out of his mind. You added Josh Gordon. You have Tyler Lockett, who's been a really solid receiver. The defense, you have two pass rushers. Hopefully, Ziggy Onza can get healthy, which seems like that's impossible. Jadavian Clowney's an absolute wrecking ball. Bobby Wagner's terrific. Corners are long. 
I love this team. They're going to be in the NFC Championship. I've got Seattle at number two as well. This team is fantastic. I've been saying all season long, I think Russell Wilson has been amazing. If if Penny can keep this up for the rest of the season and into the playoffs, there is no running back duo that you would rather not face. I know that was worded terribly, but that, yeah. you, that you would not want to face than these two guys. Watching their running style and just how hard they hit the hole. And these guys put their head down and they always fall forward. They are never getting taken down and pushed yeah. back. They hammer the hole. Listen, I, unfortunately, I grew up in a really small town, like 500 people. I didn't get to play organized football. I had to, you know, go out in the field, play with my buddies, take the cheap shots, no flags. I played a ton of hockey, and I'll tell you what, I love playing defense because you get to hammer guys coming up the middle of the ice, on the boards, in the corners. You love it. That's what you see in the NFL, the guys that love to hit. I can tell you what, playing defense against Seattle in Seattle does not look like a lot of fun to me. Those guys were getting hammered. And you mentioned the running backs falling forward. That was what was so frustrating watching this game on Monday night. When the Vikings, who have a really good run defense, couldn't stop anything. Good push from the offensive line. Here comes Penny, full truck, hits you in the mouth, falls forward first down. Oh, it was so exhausting to watch. But, oh, if their run's getting slowed down, here comes one of the best quarterbacks in football. This is a really scary team. I liked everything. You hit the nail on the head. They are so talented, and if they win that division, I think New Orleans loses one more game. They're going to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and that's going to be unbelievably hard speaking of another undervalued asset how about pete carroll man like the the legion of boom (laughs) is dead and this guy still somehow has one of the best teams in the entire nfl year after year he puts a good team on the field previous to this year they tended to have slow starts and peak towards the playoffs which is fine as long as your record is good enough to make the playoffs They didn't have that luxury this year, having San Francisco in their division. They've been great right off the hop. Russell Wilson is scary, man. Like, I know he doesn't run nearly as much as he could. I think when it comes to the playoffs and, and, you know, everything's on the line, I think you're going to see Wilson rushing the ball a lot more. I would not want to see this team in the playoffs. So, in their, the rest of the way, they've got mostly, they have all the NFC West. You know, their opponents, so you're going to have the Rams in L.A., they'll pump them. Arizona's looked awful, they'll pump them. That Week 17 game against the Niners in Seattle, that's going to be a fun one. But it's pretty crazy because you talk about a team that's fighting for the number one seed. Usually you'd rest your players, but that's the team that you cannot lose to. That's going to be unbelievable to watch in Week 17. So we'll move on. Obviously, we both have this team at number one. They've been so fun to watch. I'll let you get started on it, but obviously the Baltimore Ravens. Well, I'll tell you what, I cheated because look at your list. Do you have all NFC teams except your number one? That's true. I did the same thing. I could not pick between the Patriots and Ravens. I didn't want to put them anywhere else on the list. I put them both at one, and here's why. What do you think New England? These are the only teams. Listen, I I don't care. Everybody hating on the Patriots. Their offense has been bad. I don't care. You can write it down right now in pen. Put your bets on. The Patriots are going to make it to the AFC uh, Conference Championship. They are going to be one of the last two teams, and I think it's pretty clear the Ravens are going to be that other team right now so I I, I honestly I, I can't pick between these two I know the Ravens should be 1A in that matchup because of how well they played lately but I don't think I would pick the Ravens if they played each other in the playoffs I still think I would go with New England 
my, my mouth's on the floor right now. I just can't. You just saw New England play. Yes, they were actually co- close. If, if they recovered that onside kick, which they almost did, they probably would have won that game. They go into Houston. They lose. Baltimore has beaten New England. Baltimore beat Houston by 34 points. I know. I, all credit to the Ravens. They, Like I said, they deserve to have the number one spot all to themselves. But when I, when I think about power rankings, I think about at this point in the season, who are the five most likely teams to win the Super Bowl? That's the way that I'm looking at this. What are the five teams with the best chance right okay. now? Whichever one of these two teams come out of the AFC should be the favorite in the Super Bowl, in my opinion. And I still think the Patriots have the advantage if they play if and when they play head-to-head in the playoffs I got to go with Belichick the record is there yeah no I I get it Crosby they've been um their defense is unbelievable we know that Stephon Gilmore is going to win defensive player of the year I think that's almost a lock now just because no one's putting up crazy sack numbers even though you got to shout out TJ Watt he's been unbelievable this year I just can't see it from this offense their run game is terrible I and it's I think disgustingly bad. This this might not be correct, but honestly, when I look at this team, they're using the regular season to try to get their passing game figured out. When you take sure. Gronkowski out of there and you take away his run blocking, I st- I still feel like this team, when it comes down to it in the playoffs, is going to be a run first team. I know they haven't been this season. I I'm sure New England fans have been tearing their hair out yeah. watching this team begging them to run the ball. I think this season is more of an experiment for Belichick and this offensive staff to figure out what they do well in the passing game. And I think it's going to be run first again when we get to the playoffs. So I'm going to continue to talk about New England. For me, Baltimore was number one. I'm going to see Baltimore in action on Sunday. I'll be in Buffalo, so then we can give a full wrap of what I actually saw and why they're still the number one team in football. Can you throw out your uh, Instagram or Twitter handle so people can see your reactions live at this game? Oh, it's going to be at Nolan Ryan Kangas, and I'll be screwing my head off because I think Lamar's going to go crazy. But... Buffalo still has a chance to win this division. Buffalo proved it to you, clearly, against Dallas. They looked unbelievable. Josh Allen's coming into his own. He's going to be, I think right now, Josh Allen's definitely a top, I'm going to say top 15 quarterback in football. He's been that good. He's been really, really good in just the leap he's made. New England, for me, and Dan Orlovsky, I mentioned his name again, he showed on ESPN, this offense, passing offense mostly, is out of whack. They showed a play... You can see Brady. He checks at line scrimmage. He sees linebacker, whatever. He shows to Philip Dorsett. He goes, gun, pulls trigger, double move. Dorsett sees it, doesn't run the double move. That was the one down the sidelines. Brady airs it out. No one was there. Clearly should have been a stop and go or, you know, an out and up. And he gets off the field and says to Josh McDaniels, I can't do it. I cannot do it. So clearly something is wrong with this team. The, what was the best part of that, you know, the offense they had going? Screens to James White. They should get back to that. Sony Michelle has been such a disappointment this year. It's actually awful. Whenever- I do think in must-win games, though, you would see them go to that. I know this sounds stupid, but I really think they don't want to put that strength on tape for when maybe. it really counts. And maybe because they already know they're going to make the postseason. Yes, New England. There was a reason I didn't put them in my top five because the offense has been so disappointing, and because they just lost to Houston, who we've just seen Houston get pumped and had a couple bad games yeah that was maybe Deshaun's best game of the year I they'd be at six and um that's just me 
when it comes playoff time, yeah, they're going to have an easy stretch. They're going to play one team, depending if they get the one and you got to face uh, Buffalo after Buffalo plays Houston or Kansas City. Watch out because that could be scary. Let's see what New England team we get this weekend. They're going to have Kansas City. Kansas City is playing pretty good football. Mahomes still goes crazy. That defense, I'm going to mention them in a little bit. They're playing a little bit better. But let's t- talk quickly. This game's, I think it's, this game tonight's going to suck. You're going to enjoy it, though. Uh, Thursday night football, Bears, Cowboys. It, it, do you think it's a must win for either team? Or both teams, sorry? I don't think it is for Chicago because I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I, I think this is a lost season for Chicago. If they win, it does have the potential to turn their season around. Maybe. I, I just think looking at their remaining schedule and the records of, of the teams they need to get by in the NFC, I don't think it's going to happen. So I actually think this is a must win for Chicago. They're 6-6 six and six right now, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so they'd be 7-6. and six. All right, you're inching a little bit closer Whereas Dallas was lucky because Philadelphia played like crap the other day. So this, this makes for absolutely, you know, no intrigue going the rest of the season for anyone who's a fan of either Philadelphia or Dallas. But the only must win left on Dallas's schedule is, sure is Philadelphia. Yeah. Like they could make this is an embarrassment, but they could make the playoffs potentially at seven and nine. That oh. is how bad this division is. I, I really feel like. That game is the only game that matters left on this. Who, whichever one of these teams get through, unless they completely have it, unless Philadelphia somehow magically fixes their defense or Dallas somehow manages to fix the myriad of problems I, sure. I speak about every single week on here, they're going to get blown out. Uh, yeah, oh, they will. But I, for me, I'm thinking as a Vikings fan. I want, technically, who do I want to win this weekend? Do I want New Orleans to win? I think you want... Or do I want San Fran to win? Because I'd probably want... Because then that means San Fran is one game closer. But if the Vikings... I think the Vikings still have a chance to win this division. Because I think they, they're going to beat Green Bay. And then they'll have the advantage. I think they're what? Is Green Bay... 9-2, and two, I believe? Yeah. Or 9-3 or and three now? Uh, let, me, let me check. So they've lost to Chargers. They've lost to... Um, Eagle, yeah, 9-3. No, yeah, because they lost to the Eagles. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, I scratched that last loss out of my brain. Obviously, yeah, clearly. Uh, so I guess they they're they're going to lose to Minnesota. I think Minnesota is going to win out. After, obviously, uh, oh, either way, it's going to be wild. Who gets to play that team? Because you're going to pump them. So it's probably actually going to end up being San Fran or Seattle, and that that'll be ugly for you. Sorry about that. Uh, but I can always watch tonight. I, I'll have a good <laughs> night tonight, though. You better believe it. So you obviously you're saying good night tonight. You think Cowboys win in Chicago? If they don't win, I mean, you could say Jason Garrett could have been fired 6,000 times already. Sure. If you can't beat Chicago, I mean, come on, what are we doing here? And it's something to mention, Trubisky at home has actually been pretty good. 33 total touchdowns, 14 picks over his career. So clearly that's where he is comfortable. On the road, that's where you see how bad he truly is. And something that's wild, too, is Dak's been a winner for through his career. And I checked. I was wondering, oh, where is he better at home in the road? It doesn't really matter, right? So last year, Bears opponents completed under 60% of their throws through 11 touchdowns through 14 interceptions at Soldier Field last year. This year, completing 63% of their throws, 7 touchdowns, 2 picks. So it's almost been a crazy change. Like, 
what Bears team are we going to get? That's going to be the decider. I think we know Dallas, they're going to want to run the ball a little bit, get Zeke more involved. Dak's going to do what he does, which is potentially trying to win games. This defense, they could play mediocre, and they're still going to be okay because this offense sucks for Chicago. It's going to be low scoring. It's going to be ugly. going to be old school smash mouth football, I think. I, maybe I'll give it give it to Dallas. The worst. I'm just going to preface this with the worst player on Chicago has more talent in his fingernail than I do in my entire body. But Chicago is Khalil Mack and a bunch of losers. This team <sighs> sucks. They suck. That's there is, bold. There is absolutely no way that that Dallas should lose this game. No way. So I I, I think Chicago got overvalued after last year, and their defense was good. That was Vic Vangio quite a bit, too. So, Khalil Mack, great. Kyle Fuller's taking a leap back. Eddie Jackson's taking a leap back. Haha, Clinton Dix, give me a break. Okay, uh, Roquan, Roquan Smith is good. I like Roquan okay, Smith. He's not a loser, Roquan. Um, you're, you're good. Who's the other guy? Leonard Floyd. I like him a little bit this year. Their offense, uh, okay, Allen Robinson's had an okay year, almost a resurgence. If Matt Nagy would just give the damn ball to David Montgomery, which I've been crying for since week one, maybe they'd be a little bit better. But you're right. It, it's almost how far can Khalil Mack carry this defense and the team. And I'm not even saying it's necessarily talent level. I do think a lot of these players will go on to have successful careers. But when you're led by a loser, you are a loser. <laughs> like, I, I hate to say it, but this team, there is very little bright spots for this team. I, I think I've watched five of their games this season. It's hard to even get through an entire oh Chicago I, game. I, I, can't imagine, I can't imagine being a Chicago fan. Jeff, not even here, doesn't even get to defend his team. He probably just pulls his hair out every single week. Jeff, you're the strongest man <laughs> I know. Uh, so you're going to pick Dallas. I'll pick Dallas as well. Let's go winners and losers. Uh, my winner is actually the guy we talked about at the top of the show. I'm going to go Ron Rivera. And the reason for that, you're in a tough situation situation in Carolina, and I mentioned it before, you're going to have to pay CMC. Keekly, where's that situation going? Cam Newton, that's a huge cloud over that franchise right now. You get out of Carolina, you could go to any single team who has an open head coaching position. That's what I think for him. You can go to Cleveland, you can go to Dallas, you can go... You know, I, New York, because I think, you know, that coach I'm going to mention a little bit too, he should be canned as well. He's going to have quite a few places that he'll be able to go to. He's my winner. Yeah, my winner is the Buffalo Bills, and you mentioned it. Uh, they they were my must-win team of the week. They went out and dominated the Cowboys. It was 26-15. It seems like anybody can score on this Dallas defense right now, but holding Dallas to 15 points, I was impressed. I, I thought this Buffalo defense has been good, not great this season. They did underperform a little bit against great teams. I don't think Dallas is a great team, but they're definitely a good team. Man, the Bills came through. That was a great game for them. Uh, top to bottom, they were impressive. And they looked really good. So did uh, first-round pick. What's his name? I'm forgetting it. Went to Houston. Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver had a really good game. Josh Allen, I mentioned that before. We talked about last week. Somehow Jeff still thinks Trubisky is better than Josh Allen, which makes little, literally no sense. But uh, for me, my loser, I'm going to go Adam Gase. He sucks as a football coach. And I'm sorry to be harsh. You thought this guy was good before. And Mike Greenberg, on his, he, he hates him. He's a Jets fan. Diehard Jets fan. He cannot stand him. And for good reason. Sam Darnold was terrible against the worst team in football in Cincinnati. 28 for 48. We've talked how many times have we said, oh, this run defense is a nightmare? The last two years. And they ran it 17 times. Uvalavian Bell, sure, not averaging, you know, quite a bit, quite a, a good amount or a healthy amount of yards per carry. Once you start playing from behind, then all you're doing is passing. Mix it up. Because it's not working pass-wise. 
he needs to be fired because the Jets actually, their run defense has actually been okay. And now this team's going literally nowhere at the moment. Listen, you're never too old to just stand up and admit that you were wrong. And in the case of Adam Gase, clearly I was wrong. He is not a good head coach. I always thought that he got his teams, that he never had great teams with great talent. And offensively, he maybe got them to perform a little bit better. That is definitely not the case in New York this year. I understand they shouldn't have a winning record. They're not a good team. But they do have some pieces on offense. And this offense should be better. He should be embarrassed. That was a terrible loss. (laughs) So who do you have as a uh, loser? There's so many to choose from this week, but I had to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. You cannot allow the Dolphins to drop 37 points on you. Like Carson Wentz and the offense, they they actually had one of their better games this season, and the defense just totally wasted it. They could not get a stop. It was embarrassing. It was like Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing to people off the street. Like it, it was horrible. I I don't know if, if you're if if this Philadelphia team makes the playoffs. I don't know. We might have to start uh, different playoff seating because this is embarrassing. It's crazy to think how much. And I already, we already talked about how much effect Frank Reich had on this team because Doug Peterson doesn't. I know he's a good head coach. I know he won a Super Bowl. He doesn't look like a great head coach this season, though. Fitzpatrick might win FedEx Air Player of the Week, which is nuts. Actually, it's actually not too nuts because this secondary for Eagles is absolutely terrible. And uh, shout out to Bradshaw because he actually said Devontae Parker was his sleeper of the week and he went absolutely off and was almost one of the reasons I didn't make the playoffs in one of my fantasy leagues, which sort of leads us to fantasy studs, duds, sleepers. Crosby, get me started with a stud. Who's going to go off this week? Well, this guy was my sleeper two weeks back and look at how high he has climbed. Darius Geis is my stud this week. He has been unbelievable in his comeback. It's crazy to me, as of uh, yesterday afternoon, when when all the leagues across the world had completed all of their pickups, Geis was still only 57% owned. Can someone please explain to me how that is possible? He racked up 129 yards and two touchdowns on 10 carries against Carolina, and he gets Green Bay this week. Like, it's on a platter, people. go. If he's still on your wire, stop listening. I, I'll never tell you to stop listening to this podcast. Hit pause and go pick him up right now. Yeah, guys should go off against that you know overrated Green Bay team. For me, at my stud, and he's been a disappointment all year. If you do have him on your football team as you're heading into playoffs, Baker Mayfield, the Cleveland quarterback, in his two career games against Cincinnati, he's completed 73% of his passes, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's basically been asleep for every single game he's played this year. He'll wake up for this Cincinnati game and go off. Dud, I'll get us started. Give me or don't give me, don't give me this guy. Put him on the bench. Julian Edelman, the New England slot receiver, you know, last year's Super Bowl MVP. Kansas City's past defense has actually improved quite a bit. They're right in the middle of the pack there. And this is what a defense we talk about. Oh, you know, they're just holding back Mahomes and how good this team really is. They have 12 interceptions this year, which is tied for fifth in the NFL. This pass, you know, passing offense. We've mentioned how bad they've looked. They made Derek Carr, who's an average quarterback, look terrible last week in that blowout victory. I don't think Julian Edelman is going to get, even though he has the most red zone targets in the NFL this season, which is pretty crazy to think. I don't think he's going to get a lot of those come Sunday. It's crazy to think Julian Edelman was one of the hot picks of a, of a wide receiver, a guy to watch this season. He's had a really disappointing year. 
you're right. He probably, it won't be this week where he turns it around because I think New England's going to go run heavy. My dud, another wide receiver, Christian Kirk. He was held to just 23 yards on seven targets against the Rams last week after a decent performance against San Francisco and an explosion in Tampa Bay two weeks before the bye. The Steelers' defense this week is going to lock this guy down. Bench Christian Kirk, find somebody else. Before you move on to your sleeper, Nolan, I got to quickly go back to Baker Mayfield. He had one of the quotes of the week. Obviously, hurt his thumb on the follow-through of a throw last week. Left the game for a little bit. Came back. When asked if he was going to play this week, he simply said, Mama didn't raise no wuss. And I love it, baby. Get that on a t-shirt for me. That's gold. I'm surprised he's in such high spirits, just the way their season's gone. Maybe he knows something that Freddie Kitchens is gone and their team's going to be a a little bit more improved uh, next season. Christian Kirk... Maybe Arizona can figure it out, but man, right now, they just don't look good. Kyler Murray doesn't look good. That O-line's terrible. He just keeps taking sacks. David Johnson's going to be out the door soon. We'll figure that out, obviously, next season. Uh, so I'll get started with a sleeper, and you saw a little bit of it last week when Dalvin Cook went out. I've already picked him once as a sleeper this week. I was shocked how much this guy has owned. Alexander Madison, Minnesota, he had eight touches, 73 yards. He's still averaging five yards per carry, eight yards per reception for the Vikings. Dalvin Cook with that shoulder, he says he's going to play. It's against Detroit, who stinks, and it's in Minnesota. Minnesota should roll in that game. I Cook's going to be limited touch-wise. Madison's going to get quite a few carries. I really like that as a sleeper. He's actually owning 60% of leagues, which is pretty nuts. But if you need to squeak out a victory, he'd be a good flex. Yeah, I like Madison. He looked really good when he came in in relief of Cook last week. I was super impressed. I haven't seen a ton of him before that. I didn't know anything about him uh, coming into the league this year, but he looked like a really great Mm. runner. I'm going to go to the hardest position to fill right now in fantasy football and that is tight end it's the Dolphins tight end Mike Jasicki he is only 22% owned tight end right now is like a barren wasteland there's two or three guys you can rely on a couple of those guys are hurt and banged up and possibly on your IR Jasicki has a touchdown in two straight weeks. He got 79 yards against the Eagles. He is being featured in this Dolphins passing game. I think he's going to get another touchdown this week against the Jets. But even if he doesn't, he's going to get a ton of yards and targets. Love that pick. If I can just give a shout out to myself, I picked Mark Andrews in four leagues, and he's been one of the best tight ends all year. He might have a tough matchup against Tremaine Edmonds and uh, Matt Milano in Buffalo. We'll see. I wonder how the weather's going to be. Hopefully it's not too, too cold. Either way, I believe with those liquids, I'll be uh, keeping a little warm, you know? Well, you know, if if maybe I can just shout myself out. It's yeah. been quite a while since we've done the Waller watch, uh, obviously for the Ooh. listeners who went by the first week, I said Darren Waller sure. may surpass a thousand y- yards this season. I put his floor at 800 yards. Well, guess what? Last week, even though Derek Carr was absolutely terrible, Darren Waller, 807 yards on the season, baby. Keep going. You can do it. Well, he's got, oh, that's going to be tough, right? He's got a couple more games left. We'll see what happens and what Derek Carr we're going to get. But either way, i got to give, obviously, credit to where credit is due. Darren Waller, I didn't even know what Crosby was thinking, but it was a good pick. Guys, you've been tuning in to Pick 6, Week 14 Preview, Week 13 Wrap. Either way, we'll talk to you guys next week. Enjoy the games this weekend.